This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to the Voice of Reason quarantine podcast. I hope you guys are safe and keeping your distance from actual human beings and what I'm doing right now is providing you some virtual human beings to uh, occupy yourselves with and uh, delay your stir craziness for the time being at least. Today's guest is Claire Graham, who I have had on my channel before to speak about intersex issues and uh, their intersection or how they've been kind of co-opted by certain strains of trans rights activism. But Claire reached out to me after I posted a Twitter tweet or a Twitter or a video on Twitter about Belinda Brown, who I interviewed and posted yesterday. And I actually spoke with Claire first, but I wanted to get Belinda's interview out there uh, and just proceed orderly. You know, I'm trying to cue like the British do. That's what I'm really trying to do. So Claire also has some problems with uh, the group think specifically within feminism, and she wanted to kind of hash that out and think about what causes somebody to want to be really independent, what causes somebody to really want to plug into a belief system and, and you know aggregate their oppression with a bunch of other people not to denigrate actual oppression in the world. But what is it about these social movements that appeal to certain people and really turn off other people? So Claire, great human being. Uh, we had a good time. So here we go. I'm going to keep on pumping out a whole lot of content because I'm on furlough now. I lost my other job for the next six weeks. And uh, so it's just me and you now. It's just me and you. So get your can of beans and a comfortable spork. Uh, lean back and uh, let's listen together. The reason I messaged you was about the um, the tweet about the woman. It's I think it was she's at Speaker's Corner in London. Yeah. Uh, could, you, could you tell us what the Speaker's Corner is? This sounds like an institution over there. It's like an important yeah. spot, right? It's um, Oh, God. This is where I'm going to... It's going to turn out that I don't really know anything. Uh, <laughs> it's a place in a, a park in London where kind of anyone can go and you can get on a soapbox and just talk about whatever's important to you or whatever you want people to uh, hear you speak about. Um, and in the feminists like gender critical feminists like things it's quite important because it's where the maria mclaughlin um assault took place where uh, women met there was it, is it like it's over two years ago now isn't it um okay it three years ago uh, women met there it was like the first meeting that was where they were ever going to discuss like the changes to the gender recognition act and trans activists came along and assaulted maria mclaughlin so it's become like a it's it's it was all it's always been a place here where people go and get on their soapboxes and talk about whatever but uh, it's become okay. like a significant place now in the history of this yeah that so that that's like the flashpoint of this current uh, back and forth between the gender critical uh group and the trans rights activists where we see a pattern of a consistent pattern of behavior, even just a couple of days ago, a bunch of trans rights activists uh, threw smoke bombs at a gender critical meeting of some yeah. sort. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty awful. Um, not just, I mean, throwing the smoke bombs would have been bad enough. But I don't. Do you know the area where that happened? There was no, a, you... a a tower block um, about 
was over well, again about over a year ago that caught fire um and it was at night and people were trapped in there and died it was a really oh, wow. big major incident um like the tower block's still there it's just a burnt out shell um and it happened like the meeting was happening within the vicinity of that and the trans activists went in through smoke bombs so it wasn't like it wasn't just about them doing it to that meeting it was the lack of thought for like mm. where they were and the people there are very traumatized by what happened a lot of people lost their lives wow okay yeah but that, that's a consistent pattern of behavior with the trans rights activists like openly assaulting uh, the gender critical feminists in the flesh, in at the meetings, going there, banging on walls, uh, acting, you know, showing up in fetish gear and uh, being thoroughly it's really bizarre, so bizarre to show up in your fetish gear to protest with your with your w- wanker <laughs> hanging out, you know, or whatever know. the <laughs> British term is. Such an I, I don't even know. I don't know who you're trying to win over with that look either. Do you know, like. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a very, it's a very narrow appeal, but maybe it's a very strong appeal. It turns maybe, into something. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, so it's, um, the, the... It, it... Sorry, go on. No, please. I just want to say, it's, it's happened, it's quite bizarre, the meetings here, because there is a history of quite a lot of aggression towards women's meetings, but equally, there are some that have happened where there hasn't been, a, all the ones I've been to, there's never been a protester. I, okay. I, I don't there know, um. I don't know why why that is. It just seems to depend. I don't maybe on who's speaking or like where it is. Okay. I don't know, but I I haven't yeah. witnessed any firsthand. But I know I know it's happened quite yeah. a lot of the meetings. Yeah, yeah. The, the the outliers always kind of take up the uh, the the brunt of the the attention for for everything. Um, yeah. Both within and and that's part of the reason why. I mean, it, it was a risky post to post that video, but somebody who's a feminist sent me that video and said, this is the stuff that I don't like in my movement. Like this woman is speaking out. And what Belinda said as Speaker's Corners, she called out a certain tendency within feminism to be man-hating or to focus negatively on men over and over and over again. Like a, just a pattern, a rhetorical pattern. And and that might actually be a detriment to the cause if, you know, if, if men feel like they're going to show up and just have to shoulder a bunch of negativity. Though, while I say that, I'm, I'm still, I still understand why it's there. I still understand that women are, are speaking from a space of trying to overcome and uh, repair and, and gain equality and overcome uh, subjugation and oppression. And there's a lot there. There's a lot of real stories there. At the same time, my main focus and my main enemy, wherever I find it, even in myself, and I fail constantly, is rigid orthodoxy, is rigid group thinking. And that appears over and over and over again, no matter what the movement is. So that was an opportunity for me to, and maybe it's not my job to do that, and I understand that there could be a lot of criticism appended to me, but there wasn't in that tweet, um, you know, pointing out like like some self-reflection on the part of feminists to, to look inward at their movement. And it's that tweet has actually sparked a lot of different discussion from a lot of different people with a lot of different views. I don't think it's an unfair criticism. I think, I think like everything, um, or like feminism's quite broad, isn't it? There's lots of different um, types of feminism, which is one of the problems with the trans debate as well, because you have liberal feminism versus radical feminism. Well, they're not the mm. only two kinds either. And, um, and not, not that I'm an expert on any form of it, really. Um, but I think it's 
it's a fair criticism that it can become quite man-hatey, I think. Um, I've seen it. I, I was at a meeting. Um, it was about uh, dysphoric children, trans children, um, last year. And there was um, a guy there who was who's worked in the field and has spoken out quite publicly. He's a, he's a, um, he's very important um, to the cause in, in the, you know, in the fight to get what's happening with dysphoric children looked at. And he, there was a Q and A session. He was, he wasn't so much asking a question as addressing a point. Someone had sort of done the like, where are the men thing? And, um, and he'd sort of said, <laughs> it was unfortunate. He was, he was going to say, um, a lot of men don't know what's happening and so that's why they're not in this conversation and he wasn't using it as an excuse but kind of you know you know like if you don't know then you're not going to talk about it and unfortunately he started his sentence with not all men and he was immediately shouted down by a room full of one woman put her hand over his mouth it was really like it was quite awful um yeah it was quite um and i felt really uncomfortable because he's not you know he's not the enemy he's there uh, especially within the context of that day, he's he, he's a really sort of key player in us understanding mm. what's happening and fighting that. Mm. And and just because he inadvertently used the phrase "not all men" and not in a "not all men" way either, not not meaning it in that way, um, it was just ridiculous that he then mm. was not allowed to speak because a room full of women <laughs> were offended by those three words. It. it... I don't know why, but it seems like uh, certain the certain uh, keyboard warrior type feminists jump on phrases if 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 the, it's really activated by keywords like like if a keyword shows up, there's like this reaction to it. Like I, I put the word rational in a tweet having to do with me and women, and it was that word. Even though like I tried to contextualize, it was that word that that they had the problem with. Or if you know if uh, I, I've seen a lot of arguing against stereotypes or. Or saying like, uh, you know, like she deserved it, like like projecting these very cliche like uh, you know phrases as the the point of contention rather than allowing discourse to you know use terms in a different context. I, I don't know why that is, but I've seen that pattern. Is it just identity politics though? Feminism is as open to becoming like that as anything else i think it's i think feminism can serve a purpose like you say that like women have have always faced a battle for equality and to have like a movement that that focuses on 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 those things is important um but you can move beyond that can't you then to like that sort of identity politics type thing that which is always like us and us and them um mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. and the sort of collective narcissism within that i think yeah it's really difficult I wonder how to resist that. Like, how do how do activist groups of any stripe resist that that way of converging on you know an enemy, um, you know, in order to enact their you know. Uh, uh, there's a lot of different things going on when a group gets together to act, but you have to resist that in order to not get the stigma of you know the the negative parts of the negative parts of the party like with progressivism in the united states it's the it's the total woke lefty extremists that stain the entire project of leftism over here and uh how do you how do you suss those out how does how do you distance yourselves from the people who act that way or how do you put that down on a group level 
I don't know. I think you just have to always be open to critical thinking, don't you? But then that's really individual. You can't, I don't know how you advise someone to do that other than saying that's what you have to do. Is you, yeah. you can't, um, like I hadn't, until I got involved in the gender stuff, I hadn't had much to do with feminism. And not because, um, not because I disagree with it, not because I don't think women should have equality or, or you know, uh, shouldn't face like sex-based discrimination or that there aren't issues that women's ha women have. But then um, a lot of them aren't issues that I have, you know, because I have a different body as well. So um, a lot of feminine, like discussions around abortion or things like that, they don't, I don't get involved because it's never going to be something mm. um, that I will experience. And I don't really know how to like, tackle that then. Um, so I, so <laughs> I've been like more involved in feminist discussions since getting involved in the gender stuff. And um and it is really easy. You could really easily get taken down that sort of it's the patriarchy and like all men are against us because that's like you're constantly sort of fed that. Um, but I became, you know, I got involved in the gender stuff because I was critically thinking about the social justice things that I was involved in and how I didn't agree with those. And then like I've just mm. done the same with feminism, I think. Or I like to think I have anyway. I don't know. I like maybe maybe I'm not. Maybe I have been indoctrinated, but I don't think I have because I think I i'm still able to criticize like where i don't agree mm -hmm. what what social justice stuff were you involved in or that woke you up to i was just critical? more of that um i grew up in like a very left-wing um area and so you know we were sort of spoon-fed socialism from a very early age and things like that and then from that you get like get involved in protesting things and um uh you know that was just kind of the world that I was in, and and so like so like a lot of a lot of the people now who I disagree with on the like the trans politics, I was in their camp for sort of everything for for a long time because that's just um, mm. it's like the political leanings I was raised with is was that sort yeah. of left, um, and I, I and I don't there's still things I would I would agree with them on, but there's a lot that mm. I disagree with them on. What when what was the first? Uh moment where you began to become critical of uh, a certain part of leftism or a certain part of that social justice uh, culture that you were in? Oh, it was, it was, it was the, I think it was, it was that um, it was like the trans women's rights things. Um, it was when I heard um, like people on the left talking about people like me and using that in arguments about other people's identities um and that was where I, I i felt really uncomfortable and then once i spoke out about it and i was labeled a turf and a bigot that you know that's then the end oh. of <laughs> that was, yeah yeah that that was kind of that sort of opened my eyes then to this whole thing like the the pylons on social media and things as well and you know that like the, the sort of the us and them and how quickly you are them when you have a different yeah. opinion yeah do, do you feel um, in, I guess, in this this journey that you've taken, that you've uh, did did you were you was it a crisis when you saw that that was focused on you that you were kind of uh, you know there were steps towards overtures of an exile, uh, you know, for you was it a loss of faith or was it uh, kind of a different? No, really, because I don't think I changed. I don't think. I think. The way I see things is still the same. I think I just suddenly disagreed with people that I'd agreed with on a lot of stuff, like everyone's like, and and they didn't like it. Um, hmm. But I don't, I don't think like my, 
I don't think my values or who I am as a person changed. So it wasn't really... Okay. It, it told me more about them than it did about me, I would hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And with uh, what happened in uh, a few months ago in Britain where Labour lost, and it seemed like it was because of some social justice or the, the negative aspects of uh, uh, highly uh, politically correct progressivism um, was kind of refused by the voting bloc. And then uh, a few weeks ago, Labor put out this really odd statement, and I, I'm, I'm going to probably botch it, but they, they had this statement that said that we're going to exile people who disagree with trans rights yeah, or something like that. We're gonna, yeah. We're going to like um, purge our party of transphobes. Yeah, it's a massive mistake on their part. Um, like I say, where I grew up is really socialist. Very, um, There are areas around where I grew up that have been Labour forever who lost, and Labour lost their seat there in the last election. And it's, okay. you know, they're, um, it's, they're, they're working class, very poor areas. People have um, a, very high need areas. People have a lot of issues. And they're issues that aren't going to be addressed by pronouns in your Twitter bio. They're not, like, mm. no, like, no mm. one cares. It means nothing to them. And not that mm. they wouldn't be supportive of you know, trans rights or whatever, but it's just not. You're, when, when that's, and even now, they're like the, the leadership for the Labour Party, the, the current um, like, contest for that, all the discussion is about these issues that are really are non-issues to a lot of people. And meanwhile, in the UK, we have, um, you know, obviously because of the welfare state, we have people who are like very dependent on um, like government funding and things. And they changed uh, a few years ago, like how uh, people with disabilities are assessed for um, welfare. And there are people who are dying as a result of these changes. And you never see that talked about. You never see the left and the progressives talk about these people who are actually dying um, mm. because of paperwork. Um, instead, they're talking about gender recognition reform and pronouns and people's identities. And, you know, they're not really... I'm, I'm sure they're real problems to the people who say that they're problems for them, but they're not problems for a yeah. lot of other people. It just seems like somehow the the group, and it it, it kind of has happened over here in America too. The, the group that is nominally about the working class and about helping the poor and the disenfranchised is run by an elite that has huffed some sort of glue that has yeah. made them obsessed about things that are not connected at all to the bulk of the people that they're supposed to represent. I wonder if it's just partly because it's easier in like the world of social media. You know, like so, like just tweeting trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are valid. How easy is that? And then you've done your bit for the cause, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. all it takes. And I, I genuinely think there is a lot of that about it. And so, you know, we're in a, a, an era where sound bites are, um, you know, because yeah. memes and things, it's it's just so easy, isn't it? Yeah. No, I've been thinking about that, like with my my Twitter, uh, my Twitter feed and the, the feelings that I get when I expose myself to too much social media and the negativity that's involved in a lot of it and the way that if I make a negative statement, it makes a lot more splash than if I make something that's just off, you know, offhanded joke or a positive statement or something like that. It's very easy to obsess about these uh, very trivial matters or to take really big complex issues and to perform that I'm caring about them 
in, by distilling them into something that is in and of itself is a frivolous statement. Um, and, and I'm reading a book um, right now that I received a uh, advanced copy of uh, by, uh, oh shoot, I'm going to have to put that in uh, later in the description, but um, it's about ROGD uh, females. It's about rapid onset gender dysphoric females. And I, I, I'm just a little bit into it, but it seems like she's pointing out, the author's pointing out the the effect that the internet has had on the youth. And uh, a number of different writers, Haidt and Twangy, have, have written about the effect of social media on the youth. And I really think that um, it's embarrassing for us adults to admit how we've been captured by it, too. And it's not just the kids that are running uh, overboard with these weird ideas, but it's also us constantly. Well, we're all still, because this technology is so new, isn't it? You know, in in the grand scheme of things. So we're all sort of babies with it in the end mm. because we're all finding our way with it. Um, I, like, I know here it's been... Um, you know, because we have like the defamation laws and things here, and and mm. also, I mean, like we've had cases obviously here um, about hate crime and online activity and things, and and it's that thing where um, like the law isn't even up to date with where we're at with this technology. Like we are, it's it's so in its infancy, and yeah, I think adults are just as bad as, as kids for that. Um, we don't know what we're doing either. We don't. We haven't worked it out, mm. Mm. and it's. It's a new, um, I think you talked about this. You did um, an interview with, um, I don't know what to call, uh, uh, Ladyboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, still yeah. don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know yet. I just, I just feel so bad to call someone that. Um, but, yeah, uh, you like, had the, the sort of virtual world, and that's what online is as well, isn't it? And, um, and we, we still don't know how to handle that. And, like, and the, the thing that anyone can be what they say they are online mm -hmm. or anyone can present themselves in any way. It's a completely yeah. like false world that we have. Yeah. There is no, there is no biological sex online. It's <laughs> no. all gender. Yeah. It's all a construct. It's all social. It's just sentences yeah. and images and lights and sounds. So you can be whoever you want to be, but that, that instead of that making us obsessed more and more with the quality of somebody's character, it's made us obsessed more and more with the, uh, the, the layer of somebody's identity, which is a totally uh, you know, frivolous construct. Yeah, it's, it's all just... Um, it reminds me of... Um, oh, what was that computer game? There's a documentary about it. Life 2.0 or something. Oh, I don't know if yeah, that's... yeah. What's it called? It's something... Second Life, I think. Second Life, yeah. Called. And there were yeah. people who um, completely sort of lived in their Second Life world, didn't they? And then, like, they ended their marriages to, to be with someone in, like, the Second Life world. And yeah. I think, like, it's like... It's that, isn't it? Like, that is now everyone's online. <laughs> like, we're all someone else online. And so the question is, how do we anchor ourselves in real life issues and use the technology to forward our, you know, our agendas, like our legitimate agendas? And, and you do work online a lot to raise awareness about, uh, you know, intersex issues and uh, distinguish it from what it's being used for. Um, have, how have you uh, modified your behavior to be more effective in, uh, you know, forwarding knowledge in that area? domain um i don't know i don't know if i have um <laughs> i 
No, I don't know if I don't know if I have modified my behaviour. I um I have you made I, have you been content that you've made some sort of uh forward motion with that or had an effect? Yeah, I think so. I think um you know, I I set out just with an opinion, um, which is mm-hmm. my opinion about me. Um yeah. and then I because of the discussions I got involved in, I started to learn more and then disseminate what I'd learned. Um, mm-hmm. Which I suppose, actually, I suppose that's the modification of, modification of my online behaviour. I wasn't doing that before. I was just someone with an opinion. And then mm-hmm. suddenly I was someone um, who was looked to to educate. Um, although that's my job in the real world, so maybe it shouldn't have been it. <laughs> maybe it's not that different. Um, yeah. So... Um, and I and, and like, that's the thing. I don't like. Don't get me wrong. I don't think like the internet is a bad thing. I think it's really useful. And I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be talking to you right now if it, yeah I wouldn't if it, exist yeah in my yeah. current capacity <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> it. Um, I wouldn't be and I wouldn't be doing what I do uh, about intersex stuff if it wasn't for online. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fact that it's I think it's quite hard because I've annoyed a lot of people with it as well. You know, um, so, and not just like it's, I think obviously I've annoyed like trans and queer activists because I yeah. go against what they say, but I've equally annoyed um, feminists on the other side by asking questions about what they're saying too. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm just a really, I think I'm just really annoying. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's my problem too. <laughs> <laughs> But it, I, it's it's interesting because the trans rights queer activists and and by that I just have to say over and over again there are transsexuals and then there are activists and the activists want want uh, they they act as though they represent all of this group but that's not the case I'm talking yeah. about certain people over here who are activists they were they use constantly they use intersex to forward their agenda. Right. And then I'm sure that you've seen that when you come up and 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 go against that, people use your work or they use your voice to forward their own agenda. So Mm. we're always if if you are making something of value um, or if there's there's a certain way in which some some parts of my product are very useful for conservatives, very useful for gender critical people, very useful in certain respects for these different groups. But me myself, I'm I'm putting out different content content and some other content will be actually work against these different groups on these different ways. Have you, have you watched your material go in these different directions and how do you feel about watching that happen? You just like, let it go. And there's not a lot you can do, is there? And it's really difficult. And, um, it's one of the things, again, like, you know, the purity politics of feminism and this, the discussion of, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the, the feminists being funded by the right-wing Heritage Foundation and, and sort of all of that yeah. and who who's your ally. And, um, yeah. and I've always kind of... I think intersex is a little bit different because anyone could be born intersex into any... I know, like, you could say the same about being gay or being trans or whatever as well, but could be born intersex into any family. I can't, like, I, I couldn't say what i do can't be used by people just because i don't agree with their politics okay. I, I, yeah. um i like what would be the point in that yeah. um 
it, so it's I, inherently anti-political or apolitical, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So to the best, obviously I have like my own political leanings and those will like influence what I do, but I can't then, um, I can't try to take it away from someone because they might have opinions that I, that I don't agree with, um, on another matter. Hmm. Um, but it's kind of all for the better because there's so little information out there that there's a bit of me that's just grateful when anybody shares like, anything just because yeah. it's, it's, it's like taking it a step further. Someone else will read it and they might share it and someone else might read it and they might share it. Um, but, it, but yeah, I think that does make it slightly different because it isn't, because po- it isn't politics. So yeah, it, it almost in a way it uses politics to, to be disseminated. It uses people's political engagement. The information itself is just in this political container. So yeah, you, you look beyond that container. Around, yeah. you, you can let go of that container in and of itself. Yeah. It's not mine. Once I put the information out there, it's not my information, is it? It's, uh, it's public. Mm. Um, and I don't, and I do, I have been known to um, disagree with, I've seen people share my work who think they're on my side and then have used it in a way that I've not agreed with. And I have um, tackled them over it as much as I would anyone who thinks they're not on my side as well. Um, I don't have a problem saying to people, that's not what I meant. Um, but, pe- yeah. but again, people will take, they'll either listen to that or they won't, won't they? I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't make them agree with me. Um, but yeah, but again, hence I've annoyed, hence I've annoyed people on both sides because I don't always, um, agree i one of the things i had a, um i found quite difficult is when like feminists will talk about people like Casta semenya and um, because they've become so you know this thing of like i mm. like how um trans activists like have that you know the thing about pronouns and you can't you know you can't misgender someone and then you have and and then you get the feminists on the other end who are then like right well i'm using pronouns based on sex from now on based on how i read someone um and then you get someone like Casta semenya the intersex athlete and uh, you know, mm. she's a woman. She was um, raised as a girl, and you get you get the the feminists then on the that extreme end using male pronouns for Castor, which mm. is not fair. She's not a you know she's that's not her battle, and it's not something really that um, we should be taking away from her. It's a different okay. story. Um, yeah. hm. And I've seen people share. I've you know I, I wrote um, a blog about Castor Semenya. Um, a while back and I've seen women share it and call Castor he and I've I've like just said I don't agree and I don't agree with it being used that way but if they're going to use it that way they're going to use it that way you know I I would hope that my writing was clear and spoke for itself that is a very that 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 case in and of itself really highlights the uh the difficulty of 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 intersex as a category and i can see why that that kind of adds fuel to the queer theorists that want to demolish all categories because they can use that particular case to stretch or to defy the category of what's a female in in with regards to what in female sports and at the same time it, it highlights the failure of certain forms of gender critical activism to allow for the porousness of a boundary to, to say, yeah, there, there are things that, that are gray. It's not all black and white, you know? So yeah. it really, it really uh, plays into that contention there. It's, um, there's a reason she has become like the poster child for trans inclusion in sport without actually being trans herself. Because hmm. yeah, she's, um, she's quite, 
she's quite easy and i think as well like she's a, she's an easy target for um the extreme sort of feminists because she doesn't have the backing of the trans lobby either for all they'll use her you can call her a man on twitter you're not going to get banned for it because she's not trans you know the, like there's not the the same protection mm. for her either so I think it, yeah, she's like a, a gateway drug. I think I've referred to her before for people like, <laughs> like that's how they sort of view her, right? Like trans think, the trans activists think, oh, if she's allowed, then we should be allowed. And then like yeah. the extreme feminists think, oh, if we can exclude her, then we can exclude them. She's become like this like gateway. Yeah, this he- wedge issue or hedge issue or something like that. Yeah. Huh. Have you, uh, so... When you approach, did you get any uh, training in queer theory or any of the postmodernist kind of stuff? And did you, or have you only interacted with it online? By the way, it's. Um, I've read since getting involved in this. I've gone and read some essays and things, but I haven't. Like, I didn't. I, I have. Uh, God, it sounds like I'm bragging. I don't mean to, but I have two degrees. One of them is in primary education, and one of them is in law. So they're quite practical. They're not oh. like. Um, yeah. Like. They're not sort of like, you know, um, I know law is like politics, but it's not political theory in that way or like a, a type of like ideology or anything. Um, so I don't like all of my um, like academic knowledge is like really, it's really practical um, mm-hmm. in, in that regard. I don't. Are I you don't saying like, that queer theory isn't practical? <laughs> a, a little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I didn't know a lot about it and I didn't. Um, you know, like to use the the lingo, I'm a what a cis het white woman. So like, what <laughs> I know, I have a DSD, but I never like I didn't I wouldn't mm. have considered myself queer because of that or anything. So I, I until I got involved in this, it, like I, it never even occurred to me that queer politics might or queer theory might have anything to do with me. Mm. Um, and then yeah, just but then but also um, I mean, it's tended to be like the things I have read. Um, uh, 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 most of it has been to do with like the intersex stuff and just trying to understand like unpick that mm-hmm. uh, but then I've read other things other things once you get once you go down a rabbit hole like you can't other things come your way don't they um, but I don't I can't claim to have like a, a, a proper okay. academic understanding of, of like queer theory well my question would have been is have you found anything useful in it uh, with regards to communication styles or, or arguments or philosophy or anything that translates into practical? Not really, only in as much as I sometimes use some of their things back on them, which is okay. awful. Yeah. Like, but, like, no, like, other than that, no. And I, that's not something I'm proud of that I want to take forward with me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you make your arguments based on what, what would you say? They're based on biology, based on a certain form of just rational, straightforward. I think a lot of it is, um, a lot of it's biology. I've had to read a lot of science papers. Um, but a lot of it is also, I think, um, just through experience and observing the world. Like, like I don't have a grounding in feminist theory either. You know, again, I've gone and read some feminist stuff since getting involved in this. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I can look at where there is inequality, like, because we all can, we all have eyes. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's, I think I would sort of say most of it's just based on, like, my understanding of, like, inequality and and how the world works and then with some science thrown in because it has to be how else am I going to explain people's medical conditions if I'm not reading like bio- 
biology books and medical texts. Yeah. Is there, is there like a, have you found or connected with or participated in the building of an intersex lobby or group of that sort or is there a lobby and then how, how, how does that get politicized? How does that? It's really, there are within intersex people, there are queer activists. Um, it's, you know, it would be incorrect to say that every intersex person agrees with me. They don't. Um, yeah. Uh, so the queer activists tend to be involved in the politics. Um, and then there is, it's almost like this two, um, I would call it more DSD activism, which is involved in like patient centered activism, making sure that people okay. get the support they need. Um, my involvement would be more with like the DSD. It, what I do has become politicized because that's where things are. Um, but I, I'm not generally in, I don't think politics have any answers actually for intersex people. Mm. I don't think, um, mm-hmm. I, that's not what we need. Um, so, um, I, I've worked with, or I, I am worked with is probably a, a grand term, but there are DSD organizations that I, I speak with regularly and that I, um, you know, I help with things where I can or that I go to for advice when I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I, we're not really a political lobby because that's just not, um, we need, um, people need like good quality information about their medical diagnosis. It's in a language that yeah. they understand. They need psychological support to come to terms with it. Um, we're not going to get those things sitting in a meeting with the UN, you know, that's not, um, mm. that's mm-hmm. not where that's going to come from. So it's not yeah. really... Because it's such a quantifiable and, and strictly a, a medical or the ways in which the medical uh, field interacts with this condition are pretty much straightforward. There's not a lot of weird. It's not something that you identify with. Right? Yeah, no, it's they're, they're measurable, observable medical conditions. Um, yeah. We know they exist. They're diagnosed. Um uh, the, the, the sort of people when people tend to politicize the intersex stuff it's about the surgeries on the babies um yeah okay but the the problem i oh, see again this is where you get like the identity politics thing the problem with that is that then it tends to be more like the queer theorists then that that try to push for um legislation but the problem you have then is you've got these queer theorists sitting in front of politicians spouting all this nonsense about sex spectrums and um queer babies and you know just just yeah things like that and then following them you're going to get doctors who are going to go in and talk to those politicians who are going to talk in like real world terms and the politicians aren't going to listen to the queer theorists because they're not going to be it's not going to make sense to them um, and then they're going to have these, re, you know, these people who are obviously going to know what they're talking about coming in and, and giving their opinion. And I think like, that's why it doesn't go anywhere, because hmm. well, the queer activists aren't making headroads with um, the intersex stuff. Because it... Well, if, if the activists can force the politicians to sign uh, some sort of statement saying that they will exclude anybody that disagrees with them, then maybe they'll get their way eventually, <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe. Maybe so. We could expel <laughs> all doctors. But it's just not going to, because the thing is, you're going to get doctors who are going to go, they're going to go and they're going to talk really practically and they're going to be more nuanced because it is nuanced because you're talking about 40 odd medical conditions that are all quite rare 
once you're talking about surgeries, you're down to even like the rarest of the rare. It doesn't apply to all of us, like this decision making. And a lot of those decisions are so unique. And so once you get like a doctor explain that to politicians, politicians are then going to go, well, I can't, you can't legislate for that. Because how do you write a law that allows like that decision to be made in that case, but not in that case? It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's, like, it's mm. a bit different, isn't it, to expelling all the transphobes? I still can't believe, I can't believe they wrote that, expel the transphobes. It's a... Uh, I... <laughs> they, 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 it was very stunning and brave of them. It was. It was. <laughs> so what? What was it about the the video clip that that you uh, that piqued your interest or that you wanted to say? I I that you just, can't say on Twitter. <laughs> I I really agree with her. To be honest, I find I find it really uncomfortable if I'm in a feminist setting and it becomes really man-hating I, I find that really uncomfortable um, and it's something I've questioned in feminist sort of online discussions like misandry, misandry is like a dirty word in some feminist circles, you're not allowed to say it because it doesn't exist because it can't exist you know, a bit like, it's a bit like the whole like white people uh, black people can't be racist kind of thing yeah. like, of course women can't be like sexist Um but I think it's something that needs addressing. And I think I've often thought that like men, um, there are parts, there are things within feminism that actually do benefit men as well. And having men as part of the conversation is is really bloody useful because like because it is good for them too. And if you can if you could get that on board and you could have conversations, and I hate the whole thing of, you know, the minute like a man disagrees, then like he's a misogynist or like he's talking over a woman or or yeah. mansplaining or whatever and uh like like we're not i hate the, like the idea that i'm not robust enough to have a man disagree with me huh. really really offends me um i i can i can like stand by my own opinion and i i find it quite um it's not liberating i don't think hmm. mm-hmm. and d- is that kind of an attitude that that you apply over and over again to political movements like you you have a sensitivity when some movement or some portion of a movement is taking away your agency or you know uh, infantilizing you in, in some way or another is that yeah I think because it, it's important to be able to have your own thought isn't it I don't want to be part of a hive mind I don't um hmm. I want to be able to always say like if I don't agree with something or if something doesn't look right to me I want to always be able to say and I could be wrong I'm you know I should be able to say it and people should be able to disagree with me too that's fine um, but you've got to be able to ask the question or you've got to be able to make the point or um, and I think it's, it's interesting I've had a few discussions with women who've come to feminism through like the trans debate so again like not like not versed in the academic feminism and how they can feel quite excluded by a lot of that as well because they don't understand it or they don't buy into it or again it's not their experience of the world this you know um, like I think there's an overuse of words, isn't there, as well? Like, like, I find it quite difficult when I'm told that I'm oppressed. And I know, like, and, like right, some of my friends and feminists get really annoyed with me because I'm there going, I'm not oppressed, but women are oppressed. But, like, but I'm not, you know? And, and it's really, yes, you could look at the class and we can talk about how there are women all around the world who face oppression because they are women, but I am not oppressed. Um, and it doesn't, it, 
it doesn't mean I don't have like a class analysis of where where yeah. that is happening. But yeah. um, okay. but to apply that to all of us is just really yeah it's it's not accurate and i think it's offensive offensive to people who are oppressed for a start because i'm not and so how how can i be compared to them um Mm. but offensive to me as well to suggest that i'm not like operating with my own agency or my own thoughts or that i have no autonomy there's a a case yeah there's a moment in the evergreen documentary or just like in what happened at evergreen where a, a, a student of color yells at the other students of colors, I'm not oppressed. And they all jump on her. And they're like, yes, I've seen gonna, that. They yeah. just like, no, you, no, you, you can't see it. We're always oppressed all the time. People like you. That's why we're doing this. And, and, you know, they're going after her professor. It's this weird moment where they all just start ripping this girl apart that just says, I am, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not oppressed. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, not oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. And like, not that I don't face, I like there are areas of my life sure where um being a woman um will impact on me so like might I face sex-based discrimination yes of course I might but does that make me oppressed no it doesn't make me oppressed um because people can be discriminated against all the time for all sorts of things um but that's not oppression oppression is something quite specific isn't it and I, used to, I think your point about the infantilizing as well, I, I, I hate that. I th- and I think there is, the, you know, the, this, the, um, the cloak of perpetual victimhood that you have to have in so many, like, um, like identity politics type circles, whether like the defining feature of your group is how oppressed you are as a group or, like, what victims you are as a group. Um, and again, I just, I don't identify with that. I don't, like, no part of me identifies with that. And I don't think I'm particularly privileged either, necessarily, you know. Um, yeah. It, it It's difficult to keep that. It, it's kind of like a Pandora's box situation where it, it, like, like the victim narrative is very powerful. But once it starts to scale, it's very disastrous because then you have a bunch of people competing over victimhood and gets really ridiculous really quick. And I'm just... I'm considering right now and I'm thinking through how the in, in America, the progressive movement is suffering a sustained loss in the Democratic primary where you have their their champion, which is Bernie Sanders, slowly being eroded by the establishment candidate Biden. And I'm wondering, well, what's going to happen to the progressives? What's going to happen to these people who uh, this 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 array of people who, who uh there's some bad actors in there and there's some really good actors in there. There's a spectrum of people. How are they going to translate their politic? How are they going to grow beyond this? Because it seems like one defining feature of that movement is that they're standing up for the oppressed, which is a great thing to do. But because they blame everything, and this is, this is my critique, because they blame everything on the billionaires, and there's always that background radiation of blaming something else, blaming something else. So whenever they fail... There's there's this there's this really easy way to not look at what you're doing wrong, you know, it's because an, you already have. It's an inability to self-criticize, isn't it? We uh, to go back to the general election in the UK last year, it was a, like an absolutely devastating loss for the Labour Party, but it was everyone's fault but theirs. 
and they're still writing about it now. You will still find op-eds in, in all the like lefty newspapers with them wringing their hands over how it's the, the racist's fault or Trump's mm. fault or like Brexit's mm. fault. Or And at no point have they done any self-reflection and said, oh, no one wants us to vote for us. So like maybe we were not appealing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I think there's a, but again, I think that that is, it's, I think it is collective narcissism. I think that's the term for it. Um, hmm. where you um, um, where you experience it, it's like it's to do with like your right your identity as a group and where um, it's unassailable in some way yeah and I think um, I, I wrote a I wrote a blog about this a while back. Actually, it was actually criticizing feminism, not trans activism. Well, I wrote a blog about collective narcissism, um, and I like I'd read about it, and it did remind me a lot of like um, because the, like where there's an injury to one, it becomes injury to the whole group. So everyone then mm -hmm. is oppressed by what the bad thing that happened to this one person, like that yeah. that kind of thing. And um, and then I wrote a like a follow up to it, it was sort of about feminism. Um, hmm. It was, do you remember when, um, you know, the uh, social network Spinster? It's on the, like, the so. Fediverse type thing. It's, it's like a separate, it's like Twitter for feminists. And yeah. um, they started it and I was banned from Twitter and a lot of people asked me to join. And then I found out that like I, there were men who had joined who had then been hounded off the site for being men. And there were like trans people who joined who were hounded off the site for being trans people. And um and I wrote a I wrote a blog post um, saying I wouldn't join because I didn't like hmm. God. I was going to say the exclusionary atmosphere, but that sounds so like social justice. -y, but I didn't like like that. I had no interest in being part of an echo chamber. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I based it on the Do you know the story of the five monkeys? No, could you? Tell I've us heard the it story before. Yeah. So you get this five monkeys in a room, and at the top of the room in the room there's a set of stairs and at the top of the stairs there's a banana and one of the monkeys one day goes to climb the stairs to get the banana and it's and all the monkeys are sprayed with the jets of cold water so the monkey comes back down the stairs and doesn't have the banana and then wait all, the, all day, the monkeys are the sprayed monkey, with jets of cold water Okay. And so, yep. and then the next day another monkey goes to climb the stairs and again they're all sprayed with like these jets of cold water um, and then eventually they remove one monkey and they put another monkey in and that monkey doesn't know that if you try to climb the stairs to get the banana you'll get sprayed with water so the monkey goes to climb the stairs to get the banana and of course all the monkeys who know turn on this monkey to stop it from climbing the stairs because they don't want spraying with the water yeah. and then yeah. they replace another monkey and the same thing happens and another monkey and the same thing happens and another monkey and then eventually you end up with five monkeys who've never been sprayed with water but don't climb the stairs because you'll be attacked by the group if you climb the stairs but none of them know why none of them will ever have the banana but none of them know why and um and i kind huh. of like equated it to that and i think a lot of uh like the social justice or like the identity politic groups i think like they're like those like they're like the last they're like the fifth monkey like <laughs> you know that they're yeah. all yeah um nobody knows why but everybody's all bad yeah no, there's this there that collective trauma response can perpetuate way beyond the original offense, and it becomes uh, it becomes enshrined or mythologized in the group behavior, and it, it, it's it's almost has this religious uh, 
factor to it where there's this holiest of holies, where, where God is, or that which we converge on is. And it doesn't matter anymore what that is, which we originally converged upon, because we're converging now. And, and that, it, so, you know, like the, the, the original uh, tablets of the Ten Commandments can be completely just dust and even leak out of that box. But because Israel, you know, just the, the biblical metaphor, because that group is all around it, 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 it sustains and it is sustained sustain it sustains the group over and over again yeah i think like you get um god it's gonna sound like i'm just bad-mouthing feminism like and i don't like not that i don't think i do think it does good um but like you get you can get a lot in um in some feminist groups where uh people are doing you know it's like this like uh, uh, like talk about like your worst trauma type thing or like everyone talks about like how badly abused they've been or uh like like it's uh, and like i Again, there is room for those discussions, don't get me wrong. Um, but it does become like this competition and like you have to have been, I don't know, like catcalled on the street or you have to have been um, mm. sexually harassed or you have or abused in some way or... Um, in, in a way, trauma becomes initiation then. Trauma, yeah. If, if you have a trauma, then you can be on the inside, and yeah. which, which reinforces the... the way in which trauma is the the founding principle of of a group and 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 again it's not necessarily about feminism this is just this is group politics this is how yeah. groups this is group psychology this is how things form and how why i end up being very critical of progressivism insofar as it is based on victimization and and oppression and you have to be really careful when you're dealing with oppression because if you start a group called anti-oppression the most important thing isn't the anti, it's the oppression. And you're going to be looking for the oppression and the, the oppression is going to be the, the collective value, not the, not just being against the oppression. Yeah. You have to have, it's the thing of having to have something to fight against, isn't it? I think, and I think this is, um, you know, you can see it in like the LGBT, I think is a really good illustration of that, especially, um, I don't know so much in America, but I know like here in the UK. So like Stonewall, you know, the big charity that is now, very trans oriented um, mm. was originally an LGB charity and its focus was um, you know gay rights equal marriage that kind of thing and when they achieved that what did they have left what mm. what was left for them to do they had achieved all the things they'd set out to achieve and that's why they then took on trans because then trans was the new most oppressed who needed a new law um, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that they could that they could utilize um, yeah I think so you are you're you're always looking for like the looking for the downtrodden isn't it or hmm. or I don't is that the word which yeah. is which is which is weird because I'm not against I'm not against looking for and uplifting the downtrodden actually a lot of my work if you kind of squint you can see that I'm actually trying to platform people that are marginalized constantly because that I find that interesting but I try to do it in such a way that it's not about their trauma it's not about the oppression it's about how does what what does this person learn from this how has this person grown from these experiences there's a subtle way in which my progressivism and my liberalism tries to you know, move the chair again, try, tries to distance itself from that, that, that toxifying echo chamberish, uh, you know, uh, certain aspects of it. And then when I do, and I criticize these groups or I present inconvenient instances against this groups, I have to expect a certain amount of backlash, but over and over again, whenever I do get backlash, there's a lot of people from that group that agree with me and that support me because there's a lot of people in the group that are 
more into self-reflection, more into criticism, because they understand that without criticism and self-reflection, they can't actually do a really good job at what they're trying to do. I was quite surprised when I started, because I didn't, when I first got involved in the gender stuff, I, I wasn't particularly having the feminist conversations. Um, but then I remember on, on my Twitter account, um, the first time I criticised what was kind of the feminist view or some of the, like, the um, the main, like, feminist representatives and being really nervous and just thinking, well, this is it, like, everyone will hate me now because I've just gone against mm. everything completely. And I remember being really surprised, actually, by the support that was for it because a lot of people thought like that, but a lot of people were scared of saying it. But, again, it's like the fifth mm. monkey, isn't it? You know, everyone's scared of the other monkeys attacking them. That's the, uh, yeah. that's the problem. It's, uh, yeah, I don't think it's that people don't, um, self-reflect. I think it's that people are scared to admit that they have a lot of the time. Yeah, or the loud voices um, are r really good at um, performing something that is, it looks more effective than it actually is in, re with regards to backlash or policing or mobbing, all these different things that don't really matter, give the effect, the side effect of, of this movement. Let's just say feminism isn't about being against men. It's not at all. But certain aspects of it have been co-opted by people that are, are totally fine yeah. to write those op-eds that appear in the New York Times about why it's okay to hate men, you know, and, you know, take the feminist uh, brand and then drag it through the mud um, unintentionally, but really counteract some of the really great work that it's doing. And, and so it's really important to always always be saying not all feminists, you know, not all men, not all this, <laughs> yeah, not all that, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. I think, um, and I think it's really disappointing when um, when feminism becomes reduced to being anti-men. Um, but because, because I think there probably are anti-men activists, you know, like, I think, like I, they, they, they are. Um, but it's always better to be for something, isn't it, than against something. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point. Um, so, like for me, feminism that is for the advancement of of women, and not the advancement of women to a point of superiority over men, but the advancement of women where they are, where where they might need a leg up, or where they are facing inequality. Um, I think that's fine. But feminism that's just against something, it's just against men, or. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't really understand the patriarchy, to be honest. I keep trying to understand the patriarchy, um, <laughs> but I don't. I don't get it. Um, but I find that sort of quite anti-something as well. You know, kind of. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel a bit like you can. Um, and again, not everyone who because I, I because I probably don't understand a lot of academic feminism, so I don't necessarily mean it as criticism of, of some academic feminism that maybe I don't understand. Um, but I find like you can you end up with like a conspiracy theory as well, you know, kind of like like all the men have got together to have a meeting against us or something. And I don't like that's obviously not what has happened. And um, and it overlooks where women can be arseholes, too, because they can be, um, you know, we're not uh, perfect creatures. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not incapable of causing like harm ourselves. And mm -hmm. um, we're not always the victims. Um even be in a group do, do you feel do you feel lonely like not being able to have the access to that kind of community I, or 
I don't know if I've ever really fitted in a group, so I okay. don't know how much that bothers me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think last time I fitted in a <laughs> I was, I think a good example, I was raised Catholic, and I remember saying to my mum when I was about six or seven years old that I wasn't afraid of death because it didn't matter, because when you died, you didn't know about it. And my mum, like, being properly, like, you know all these years we've been like indoctrinating you and like this is <laughs> this is what you've come up with so I, I think like I I, um, huh. I don't think I've ever really belonged to a group I don't I don't think I have and I don't mean that in like a, I'm not like other people kind of thing I just think that's just yeah. not how um, it's obviously just not how my up. brain operates yeah I, yeah. I, okay. I just have my own thoughts about things yeah and you're fine with being annoying to everybody yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Claire, I have to. What? What about you though? Because you're not in it. Do you miss like having a group? Well, I I asked that question because I was interviewed last week, and somebody asked me that. Like, aren't aren't you lonely because you're standing against this group and that group? Or what? What about these people who don't fit into these different groups and the loneliness that they might feel? And I'm and I think I'm like you. And and a lot of the people that I that I end up really wanting to talk to are people who are really independent and, and, and there's some quality that I haven't even been able to formulate questions to investigate, but there's like a consistent theme in the people that I really enjoy having on my channel. Like, uh, for instance, uh, the detransitioned young woman, Helena, I, I had her back on because I saw her attacking gender critical feminists and trans rights activists just going back and forth. Like, I don't want to be a part of any of your group. Like you guys are a bunch of like, I'm not going to go from one cult to another. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And there, and the question is like, what is it about that kind of person that, that how do we describe that kind of person? How do we make that kind of person, not the ideal because we we're even against ideals because there's something about that in me and, and because, and I was thinking about how I moved from one school to another school to another school throughout all grade school. And I didn't have, I didn't finish a whole year of school until sixth grade, which is the worst time because that's when I landed in a school full of assholes, you know, but, but like, so I was always being broken from my community over and over and over again. And, and, uh, my parents had, were involved in a cult, um, when I was very young and I saw the, the effect of that had on, on their psychology and how they had to work through that, um, work out of that. And so whenever, even though I went to church constantly and, and, uh, there was a lot of things, I, I was never anti, uh, church or anti God until, later on in life, I always accepted the doctrine, but the, the collectivism I was always against. And especially if the pastor started saying certain things that would start to, to create a collective, I was always against that. And I was, I would always call that out even from a young, from a young age, like whenever somebody would say, Oh, this is what the Bible says. Don't question it. I would, I would, even when I was like sixth grade, I would, (laughs) I would, I would tie up the the Sunday school teacher in knots by asking them the questions where they would break down because I I just, I can't stomach that stuff. So when I ended up at Evergreen and I saw that, that happening again, but on a political level using racism and using um, uh, the gender issue uh, to, to kind of create an inside and an outside and that insularity and just like feeling so uh, claustrophobic where I just have think, to yeah. hold my breath. Do you think it's like a, there's just a natural thing in some people that they can't, um, 
you know, like there's like physical personal space, but there's also like a yeah, like an intellectual or personal space Psychic almost. Space. Of like yeah. yeah, like so. You no, know, if you're pushing into that, then something's probably wrong, and I need to work out what that's about. I think maybe. Maybe it's that. Maybe we just have a really good personal space, or maybe we have personal <laughs> space issues. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I use, I've said before. Like, I have a people are like, you want to hang out, or like, why don't you have any friends? I'm like, I have a rich internal life. Like, my yeah, yeah, plenty I, of friends. I, in, in, yeah, I am totally fine in my own company. It's it's yeah. like no, it's no hardship to me. I've got lots to think about. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to I have to we have to wrap up because um, I have to get to work. But um, what what's uh, can is there anything that you can share with what you're doing right now or where you're at with with your online project? I can't really talk. I can't name it okay, in person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can't even think of a way. I can't even think of a sneaky way to do it. I've not worked that out yet. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Um. But thanks for, thanks for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> Tempting to, you? Yeah. It's to so It's so frustrating. And like mm. people, people know it's me. Because I, I think I'm quite obvious as well. Um, I just mm. can't openly be me. But I get DMs all the time from people going, I know exactly who this is. And even yeah. like the trans activists, like within like two days, um, mm. it, it sussed me out. Um, but and yeah, that, and that is specifically because a certain internet company has decided to side with people who are against you, and yeah, and yeah, um, have made you a person persona non grata, yeah, which you were not. fine with being with to begin with. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But I still want to be on that platform, which is really unfortunate. Not not to be in a club, but just because. Uh, yeah. Well, where else are you going to go? There is no equivalent to to it unfortunately well, otherwise i wouldn't like, like with spinster uh you, whenever there's these alternative networks um the the antipode dispenser would be gab you go over to gab and it's a bunch of really extreme ethno-nationalists and some really seedy stuff and really dark icky things i'm like i don't want to be over here you know yeah. so it's like yeah uh, spinster works on the same because it's the fediverse so it works on the same thing as gab so you can see gab from spinster oh, okay it's like yeah. it's like on its own like all the other gab and look i don't really know what a lot of the others are but they're all like there and you could sort of wander onto that tab and it's just like this horror show of like all the worst yeah. thoughts yeah. that could be happening it's so weird. I mean, I, I so, so I, I understand, like, I, I, I toy with free speech absolutism, but at the same time, I heavily uh, edit what I expose myself to online because it affects me negatively psychologically. So I don't, I appreciate that that stuff is gated from me, but at the same time, like when that, whenever the gatekeeper makes a mistake or starts to tread, starts to encroach more and more, like I'm against that. I appreciate filters, but at the same time, when people like you are are consumed by the filter, I have to stand up for it, stand up against it. So there's a lot of gray area in that gray area. It's really difficult, isn't it? I think free speech online is a um, is a great example of where we again we haven't sussed that yet. We haven't worked out how how that works. Um, 
because yes there are things that people do need protecting from and not even in like a nanny state kind of thing but you know we just even like obvious extreme examples like child pornography and things like that there are people things that people need it uh, protecting from um mm-hmm. but how do you balance that with something that really we have so little control and i don't want to end up um I lived in China for a year. I know what restricted internet access is like, and I don't want to end up with that either. You know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's got to be a happy medium between the two, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's what 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 level of threat is the UK under with regards to Corona right now? Um, it- I don't know. We. Um, I they can't decide. I don't think at the moment we've got uh, we've got quite a few cases, but I don't. I think we've only had one death and we haven't nothing shut down yet okay. so we're not yeah. uh, we're not italy which i think is just they've just shut down haven't they yeah. um yeah. but they 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 there's talk of the nhs maybe um stopping some elective procedures so they can like take stock and prepare for if the worst happens i don't know yeah. it's one of those things um I was talking to my housemate about it this morning and saying to them, it's one of those things that's kind of crept up on me because, like, we had, like, you get these things, like, the SARS and Ebola and bird flu and swine flu that we've had in the past, and, like, they always, they all sort of turn out to be, like, a storm in a teacup. And I think when this first started, I was a bit kind of, it's just going to be another one of those. And then, like, suddenly it's a lot more serious, and I haven't really yeah. kept up to it as much as I probably should have done. Um, yeah. I'm just vaguely aware of things happening. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, um, uh, with all due respect to the uh, severity of the potential problem of it, I think it's fascinating how it's going to affect our psychology to have that existential threat there and how our various different discussions uh, and discourse, discourses and echo chambers are going to converge on that apocalypse, whether it's a potential or not. And it's, it's growing in potential you know, to be actually yeah. sizable. So it's just, uh, I'm really interested in how it's affecting the way I look at the world and how it, how it's going to end up affecting other people's view of the world, just on a psychological narrative level. Yeah, it's, um, I think, I mean, I think part of the thing for, for Brits is that we're quite good in a crisis, to be, to be fair. So oh, really? It is a sort of, um, well, we had this, the whole um, thing of like the blitz spirit that, you know, that we supposedly oh, yeah, have yeah. from, um, so that Keep kind of thing of like, on. yeah, and kind of being, yeah. being ready for things going wrong and, and then just getting on when things do go wrong. So I think hmm. maybe there's, maybe that's tempering some of it here that thing of like you know we survived worse in the past so this will this will be fine surely um hmm. i don't i don't know maybe but then also i mean like because everything with brexit and everything else that's happening here um well that it's happened now um it just gets involved in all of that as well you know just the whole like oh it's all we needed isn't it first we have brexit and now we've got this killer virus um <laughs> <laughs> Always something I mean, for the I, pundits to... I, yeah, I need to find someone sensible, I think. To, I, I'm quite lucky because of the, um, my online stuff. I, I follow a lot of medical accounts anyway. So I'm getting, I think I'm getting quite yeah. sensible yeah. Um, things into my feed about it anyway. And I'm trying to avoid a lot of the hysterical yeah. um, tabloid headlines about it. Well, you, you seem you're set up to, to be able to just uh, hole up in your room for a couple of months. It <laughs> yeah, seems like yeah, you have I'll the constitution fine. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
if I have to quarantine myself, I mean, that would be, it's like heaven anyway, isn't it? You know, I don't have to deal with other people. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm openly the same. I, I, I identify as the hermit crab too. <laughs> All right, Claire, I got a jet. Thanks so much for reaching out and coming on the show again. It's always great. No to worries. It's always lovely to talk to you, Benjamin. Um, and I'll speak to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night.